0: Hi there, Kenny Gold here. Our friends at Social Media Week are hard at work prepping for this year's marquee event, SMW1, a worldwide virtual conference taking place May 5th through the 28th. For the next month, we are going to replay interviews from a new weekly live web show from Social Media Week called The Social Media Week One Show. It's hosted by none other than Five Things contributor and CEO of Social Media Week, Toby Daniels. You'll hear from some great guests and a few familiar voices along the way, including yours truly. This week's episode is the first interview. Toby chats with Matthew Sweezy, Director of Market Strategy at Salesforce, about authenticity for brands, his quarantine habits, and his new book. Without further ado, here are Toby and Matthew.
1: Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining the SMW One Show. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're getting through this incredibly difficult time we are all experiencing right now. So for those of you who are new to Social Media Week, let me first introduce myself. Uh, My name is Toby Daniels. I'm the founder and executive director of Social Media Week. And let me also provide you with a little bit of context and background as to what we're all doing here today. So first of all, um, let's talk about Social Media Week uh, from a historical perspective. So I started the conference back in 2009, in the depths of the Great Recession, but also at a time where social media was emerging as a powerful force in terms of how we were connecting and communicating, and of course, also in terms of providing us with the tools that enable us to follow people, join communities, and also to connect to the information and the things that were of most interest to us. Social media was also a tool that enabled people to self-organize around the things that they cared passionately about. I specifically remember in 2008, the election of Barack Obama, and then subsequently the live stream of his inauguration in 2009, which was broadcast live on CNN.com with a simultaneous integrated Twitter feed. And I was thinking at the time that that this was like a major moment in our history and it was sort of a, a major sort of advancement in terms of our sort of use or the application of technology in social media. And I could also feel at the time a sense of connectedness as we experienced this like monumental event in real time together. And this was a huge inspiration for me. It was a big part of why I started Social Media Week And the reason why I wanted to bring people together around the world to discuss what was happening and to think about the ways in which we could capitalize on the opportunity that social media represented. And of course, since then, Social Media Week has hosted conferences in more than 30 countries around the world. We've reached millions of people globally. And at the beginning of 2020, we were preparing our flagship conferences in New York, L.A. and in London. And our theme for this year, which uh, we had been working on and developing over the course of 2019, was Human X, which would explore how the future of marketing would need to be human-first and experience-driven, which at the time felt very salient. And When I think about that theme today, it feels even more so right now. And then, of course, COVID-19. We first learned of the virus in early January, then Quickly came the horrifying news out of China and then Italy, which of course started to sort of dominate the headlines and of course continues to do so today and From that point, you know we've witnessed hundreds of companies countries and almost half of the world's population going into some kind of lockdown, which in turn has created a domino effect of cancellations in the industry event industry with industry conferences like Mobile World Congress and South by South West very early on having to cancel then subsequently major sporting events around the world, including, of course, the Olympics. And thousands of us in the event world have had to face some really incredibly hard decisions, but necessary decisions, of course, given the rate at which the virus has been spreading and, of course, the devastating loss of life that we are experiencing. And so when we think about, like, where we are today, um, we are, of course, still very much in the eye of the COVID-19 storm, and with that, I believe the world has just entirely shifted on its axis. And with that, we have all of us had to come to terms with a radical new reality, one that could very well remain with us for a very long time. In an unbelievably short amount of time, I believe we have also learned something that I think will serve as a foundation of hope when we think about the future. And that is that we are incredibly tough we are resilient we're resourceful and creative we are warm and generous and above all we are a very compassionate and empathetic society and during this crisis we've discovered that despite being separated from our friends and our co-workers and loved ones we have never been more connected than we are today social media has been at the center of a number of major controversies in recent years and has presented us with some some pretty significant and very challenging questions, including, is social media good or bad for us? Is it good or bad for society? And of course, what I think we're learning right now is that when used appropriately and for the good of society, technology, mobile communications, and more broadly, social media are, of course, critically important parts of our lives when, of course, they are used in the right way they can be an extraordinary force for good. And so as we at Social Media Week has had to come to terms with the cancellation of our two biggest conferences and as we made this sort of decision to pivot into a virtual conference series, we quickly discovered that this of course was not just the right thing to do given our inability to host any kind of mass gathering, but we also felt that it was the right thing to do to ensure that we were able to continue to serve our industry and all of, uh, of the people that are here watching the show today. Um, this is obviously enabling us to, as effectively as we can during this time of crisis, continue to ask the most important questions at the most important time. The SMW1, which is our new virtual conference series, is you know very much the embodiment of this idea that we are currently experiencing a moment of heightened connectivity and that technology is providing a pathway through a spectacularly difficult time. And we believe that there has never been a more important time for the world of media, marketing and technology to come together to understand our new reality. The goal for us is to chart a new course for the future for our industry, to provide relevant and critically important information and insights as to what's happening right now, what our role needs to be, and how we can help those in our industry who have been most impacted by what is happening? And so, in even more specific terms, in, in terms of the program that we're putting together as part of SMW1, which will take place over the course of four weeks starting May 5th through to May 28th, we're gonna be putting on over 100 hours of live stream sessions, including 300 speakers and more than 10,000 registered participants. Last week, if you didn't see the news, we uh, released our initial agenda. So if you're interested in finding out more information about SMW1, just go to SMW1.com, um, where we've uh, released the initial agenda and some confirmed speakers, including Gary Vaynerchuk, Kristen Patrick, the CMO of Pepsi, Richard Tabakawala, who's the chief growth officer at the Publicist Group, Pam Wasserstein, who's the president of Vox Media, Rishi Maggia, who is uh, a creative strategist at Instagram, Tara Tresda, the CMO of Carbon3D, and Joe Marchese, the CEO of Attention Capital. And over the course of the next few weeks, we're gonna be making a ton of uh, new and exciting announcements in regards to SMW1. We're gonna be confirming new sessions. We're launching a new content track that's like, specifically relevant to what's happening today. And of course, we'll be announcing new speakers. And we also plan to announce a number of performances from leading artists and musicians and hangouts, which will be featuring and hosted by some of the most notable people in our industry. So on today's show, We are very excited to welcome two of our SMW1 speakers who will be hosting sessions during the virtual conference and who today will give us their take on everything that's going on in the world right now, how their businesses and industry sectors are being uh, impacted and what they are most hopeful about as we think about the future. But before I invite them to join us, a couple of uh, housekeeping items that I wanna quickly go over. So um, as you can see, we have a number of interactive features that hopefully you are already familiar with, especially if like us, you've spent half of your days on Zoom calls over the course of the last few weeks. So please feel free to jump in on the chat, say hi to my team, share your thoughts in real time. Please also utilize the Q&A and poll features. We're gonna be asking two poll questions um, over the course of the show. so We'd love your feedback and responses to those. And of course, if you have questions for me and my guests, um, please please put them into the Q&A portion and we will get to them at the end of the show. And finally, if you can't stay for the duration, don't worry, we will send you a link to the recording afterwards, but I, hope, I do hope you stick around. All right, then let's get on with the show uh, and welcome our first guest. To so our first guest uh, for the SMW1 show is Matthew Sweezy. Matthew is the director of Insight at Salesforce, and perhaps even more importantly, he is the author of the recently published book, The Context Marketing Revolution. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us.
2: So, Toby? Hey, everybody.
1: What's up? So um, before we get into the questions, Matthew, I just want to, first of all, put out our first poll question, which we'll get to towards the end of our conversation. So we're going to be loading up the poll question right now. So please, everyone jump in and give us your responses. But the question we'd like to ask you at this point, last the audience at this point is, do you think? As a result of COVID 19, major brands are exemplifying more authentic communication strategies, yes or no. So we'll get to the poll answers towards the end of our conversation with Matthew. But for now, Matthew, let's get into it. Thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure yeah. you um, are, um, uh, I'm sure your schedule is completely insane right now. I know Salesforce is working on some incredible initiatives to support COVID 19. But let's start with yeah. the book. Tell us about the book. What was your inspiration for writing it in the first place?
2: Yeah, so uh, the book, The Context Marketing Revolution, uh, published by Harvard Business. So, I mean, the the big idea and, and why I wanted to publish this book was I was just doing a lot of uh, really interesting research and kind of found some things that I thought were pretty groundbreaking that made a lot of sense and kind of pointed towards where we need to be thinking about and what's really going to be working in the future. Um, and so that's really kind of the impetus for it.
1: So as you, you know, you obviously spent the last year plus, you know, putting this together um you I think you have some some pretty incredible sort of four years Toby four years so you have some pretty pretty incredible insights in terms of like you know um observation in terms of like where the industry is at and what's happening in marketing and of course you know as you sort of put the book together and put the finishing touches and I know you you only literally just published it in the last like month or so um COVID-19 obviously happened and as I mentioned in my kind of opening sort of Uh, um, uh, introduction, you know, the whole world has kind of shifted since then. So tell me what, you know, tell us a little about some of the major themes in the book and and why you sort of feel that those themes of the book are are still relevant to the kind of the the new reality, the new world that we are currently experiencing.
2: Yeah. Worst time in the world to publish a book. So don't try to do it. I think that's an obvious statement. Everyone kind of would agree with that, right? We're all trying to figure out what to do. Um, But the the big core premise of the book was simple, right? It, It said that the idea that we have of marketing no longer works, Right. And it bases that, you know, statement on what I look at and call media theory. Right. So essentially saying marketing is a game uh, and the environments dictate the rules of what games we play. And the realization is that we have entered a radically new point in time. Right. And so, you know, I did a bunch of research and found that, you know, starting in 2009, moving forward, the consumer is the largest creator of noise in the marketplace. And, and, you know, and we start looking at all the different data points. Right. So if you just want to kind of like think about this from a, a large scale perspective. Between 2007 and 2020, these are some things that have changed, right? There are 30 times more broadband connections. There are 100 times more people logging on just to Facebook on a daily basis. There are 10 times more connected devices, and we create 500 times more data on a daily basis. And and what most people would look at this and say, well, yeah, that's a lot more noise. And what I want people to really understand, this is kind of the core idea of the book, is this isn't just a revolution about you know more content or social media or ad blocking or the fact that everyone's on mobile. It's really about what people derive from instant access, that connectivity and that openness. It's how does that new environment change decision-making processes? How does it change how consumers interact with each other? And how does that change the game of what marketing is and how we play it between brands uh, and what an individual wants? So that really is like the underlying fundamental structure. And then you say, okay, well then, what does that really mean about today? And what it really means today is just look at a couple of the basic data points that are going on, right? What I just described was essentially what I call technical tender, right? It, it was a, a foundation of a technical framework that existed that the whole world could access, but only a certain amount of the world was actually using. And we knew that a lot of people would adopt it and this would change you know, consumer behavior. But what has just happened with COVID is it's taken that and just radically changed it. I mean, I'm just going to ramble off a couple of stats that are just mind blowing, right? In March, for the first time in the history of the world, more people bought groceries online than actually in a store and not by like a small margin, 20% more groceries were bought online than in store in March. Now, if we just run the basic numbers by the end of 2020, we could essentially see that one in five of all consumers are ordering most of their groceries online, right? E-commerce Jumped up to 30%. We didn't expect e-commerce to be 30% of total retail until 2025. Online food delivery triples, right? Video calls. We're tracking 2.7 billion meeting minutes per day just inside of Microsoft Teams, right? This is a radically different environment that we are operating in. Hence, the game that we must play is radically different. And, you know, just to say, you know, what's a good example? Sing Tao uh, or Ching depending on like ch- Chinese pronunciation, American pronunciation. It's, it's the beer we're all familiar with. It's the green bottle comes from China. Now, what they did is they worked with their audience. Once again, like human, we're talking about why would I be talking at social media week in the first place? It's because one of the big again, fallouts of this is the apex of what is direct marketing. It elevates to human to human because now every human can connect to other humans and we can leverage those networks in new ways. They're more trusted. They're easily distributed um, and they can scale, right? So, so. SingTao, what they did is they went on WeChat and created an audience of all of their customers and all of their advocates. And then they started promoting their beer through WeChat. And what happened was sales of SingTao and WeChat triple, right? So now they are selling beer directly through WeChat through, you know, human to human network. So just a couple of ideas and kind of what, what that looks like. Why was it important before? And then really, what does this impact have on that? And that's kind of what it's about.
1: Yeah. I mean, what we're experiencing is, is the opportunity to establish a much like a more direct relationship uh, with your customers, um, you know, through multiple different channels. Um, and it's not to suggest that the kind of the technology didn't previously exist or the capabilities weren't there, but the context, right? In terms of like what's happening right now has shifted, um, you know, significantly. We, we, we are now presented with an entirely new set of kind of um uh customer sort of behaviors which is of course like driving this sort of like this new adoption can you give some other examples just in the context of direct marketing and that sort of direct relationship to customers that that you're seeing right now that that you're you're excited about as much as we can be excited about anything right now but you're excited about but also that you think are going to kind of sort of pave the way for the future
2: Yeah. So uh, one step back to go one step forward, right? One step back. If we're saying that this is a new idea, what is it in contrast to? Well, it's a a fun when I say context revolution, I really mean that the the role, scope and function of marketing is radically different than it was before, right? Before marketing was a department that just simply told the world about the products that we created. Uh, Now, what we must do is be the owners and sustainers of all experiences and realize that we just can't create the experience and force it on our marketplace. Those experiences are best when we co-create them with our marketplace, right? And I like to use the words with, not on, right? That's the new creative lens that we must think about marketing through is how do we work with our marketplace, not how do we force messages on our marketplace? And that, you know, Sing Tao is a great example. You know, we can see lots of other phenomenal examples. One of my favorite is currently right now, right? And you say, well, how would this work? Well, rather than a marketing department trying to say, what is a creative message I can create? Say, look at my marketplace and how can I connect people inside that marketplace? So what we find is great examples like this. There's a nursing home. The nursing home said, hey, we've got people that no one can come and see, but they are still needing people to come see them. So why don't we ask people to adopt a grandparent? You know how many people applied to adopt a grandparent? This is one nursing home. 28,000 people applied to adopt a grandparent. And now they're having one-on-one Zoom calls with these people. And once again, solving needs on both sides. So. We also need to be clear. And when I say context-based marketing, like what is the definition of that? It's it's a two-step process. One, it's we break through by helping people accomplish goals, right? So we help that both of those people accomplish goals. Someone wanted to help somebody, somebody needed help, right? The nursing home did not have to then tell all these people who they are, build a marketplace, buy a creative message. They simply can connect people and spread the messages that way.
1: In- incredible. Um, you know, I I I think you know when when i we go back to the human x theme and the sort of idea of human first marketing um pre pre covid um you know we we were really sort of trying to encourage the industry to get back to kind of human first principles um and you and i have had you know m- multiple and many conversations uh, around this uh, particularly obviously in the, in the in the context of your book um, and I think we're both in complete agreement that, that this is something that needed to happen. But now what we're seeing is the humanity, uh, really sort of being expressed through brands, which I just think yeah. is just so extraordinarily interesting. And in many ways, you know, I was skeptical as, as to whether it would be possible. And, and clearly it's taken a, a global pandemic for these brands to sort of recognize, um, not just what is the opportunity, but what is their obligation? Um, you know, some, what, some.
2: I don't think well, all.
1: Well, this is what I was going to say. So, so you know, we've talked a little bit about some of the brands that are doing well, and, and obviously, you know, we can spend more time talking about that. But I'm particularly interested in, you know, who isn't leading right now? Who isn't recognizing uh, their obligation at this moment in time in regards to to how to lead and how to serve and how to, how to really express the humanity of of their companies.
2: Uh, I mean, I'm not really going to pick on people that aren't doing a great job. Let's just look at a couple of examples that could have been better that were at least in the right vein, but could have been better. Right. And I like to look at Budweiser in this example. Now, Budweiser, massive advertiser. We all know who they are. It doesn't matter where you are. You have some type of Budweiser product on your shelf, right? So in the United States, they've done lots of things, right? From a large-scale corporate branding perspective, you know, they've shifted their production over. They're making alcohol. Um, One of the things that they did from a... um, And if you say, like, what are strategies that you could do right now? A simple strategy is support your stakeholders. Whatever you want to do, support your stakeholders, right? That is a, a prime marketing strategy. Now, that is very human because you are taking care of people. It's very contextual because you are helping them solve an actual need that they have right now, which is everyone needs some type of support. Um, and so here's what one of the in- initiatives they did. They created a site, and it's called uh, Open for Takeout. So what they did is it said, let's crowdsource a list of all of the locations that are open for takeout. In 2008, this would have been a great, a great campaign. In 2020, my question is, haven't they ever heard of Grubhub? Like, haven't they ever heard of Uber Eats? Like, why would you want to try to do that um, when a, a much better alternative already exists, right? Now let's flip across the pond and go to, go to London. Here's a better example of what could be done. In London, what they've done is they've created gift cards and said, listen, we will match every dollar that you spend at your local establishment by pre-ordering your beers, right? And so this is the same concept, right? I opened a brewery back in 2000, and I guess it was like 13 or 12 when I opened that thing up. And one of the ways that we funded the tasting room is say, hey, listen, just support us and pre-buy your beer. Right? That was how we got the funding to open the tasting room. We pre-sold three months of our beer. And then when they got there, they, they were able to then consume it. We'd already paid for all the bills. Same thing, right? Once again, it's superhuman because you're asking people to help take an action. You're helping both sides of the equation. Um, and so that's a, those are great examples of, of what humanity can be and how it can be used. Um, but simply just doing good and telling the world that you did good, we need to move past that, right? We need to move past just, you know, the basic idea of, hey, here's a commercial, you know, w- we care about you. You're the hero, yada, yada, yada. It's great, but put some action behind that. Don't just tell the world you're doing good, really do good. Um, and so I think those that's when I talk about, you know, we can go past that and like really do good people that are actually creating campaigns. I mean, we've repurposed our products at Salesforce we've retransitioned our sales team to become guides for all of our prospects like we've done all kinds of things we're not just saying we're doing things we're actually doing things that make an impact
1: you know um i'm a huge fan of of, of your work i think the context marketing revolution is a phenomenal book i really encourage you know everyone that, that's watching right now to to go check it out and, and speaking of books i lit- literally just finished um Benioff's book, his, his latest book. Troubles yeah. And, and it's so interesting. I finished it, I think, maybe a week ago. And, of course, he wrote it sort of, you know, before COVID. But, you know, as a global leader of a technology company and as someone who cares very deeply about the impact of, of Salesforce um, on the world, um, so much of what he talks about is, is so relevant and salient to kind of what's happening today. Can, can you speak to some of the things that Salesforce is doing right now in, in response to what's happening?
2: Yeah, so we're doing a lot of stuff. Um, So, you know, step one, what we did is we essentially pivoted all messaging. That was easy. Everyone has done that, right? So our content strategy shifted from talking about anything other than helping people get through this scenario. So we've shifted to guiding, right? So that was step one. So all content and all messaging was helping our marketplace uh, get through this. Um, Our products, we've reshifted all of our products, right? So we opened up Tableau. Tableau right now is one of the largest and most referenced resources on where is the pandemic and how is it growing. It's a, If you're not familiar with Tableau, it's a, a business intelligence visualization tool. Um, we've created Salesforce Care. Um, so it's a complete out of the box, off the shelf, ready to go package of a suite of tools that anyone can put in place um, to help them one, connect better with their customers, manage their stakeholders, as well as market more efficiently. Um, and that's really there and it's totally free. Just go ahead and get it and you can use it. Um, we've opened up all of our pro, you know, Quip has been opened up for free. Um, we opened up all of our different types of products and repurposed. There's so much that we've been doing um, to kind of help out in the marketplace, um, as well as things that we're doing internally, right? We're connecting people together, right? And when we talk about context marketing. It's about how do we connect people? How do we be more human? And rather than us pushing out messages to everyone, yes, we're doing that. But we're also connecting so many people together, hosting so many calls, right? Our prospect, you know, our uh, sales teams are working to say, hey, listen, if you want to join a call, we can get a bunch of people together, we'll have conversations, talk about whatever you'd like. Um, So we're doing lots of very powerful things guiding people through this time uh, and repositioning products to make sure that they're helpful, as well as opening up grants for small businesses. Yeah, right, right. No, I just saw that
1: announcement yesterday. It's, it's, um, yeah, no, it's fantastic. Um, Well, look, we've been, you know we've been quarantined or at least you know we have for, for over a month as i'm sure you have i'm, I'm just yeah. curious to know what, what are some of the good and also bad habits that you've like developed over that time
2: bad habits uh working out is just completely falling off the cliff um so i think that's a bad habit i used to, you know i was a, a sports nut um and then good habits i mean i really I, i'm very bullish and hopeful that the trend of connecting to other people, um, I I do a really bad job at keeping up with friends and family. And I think this scenario has made me keep up with friends and family in a much more proactive and regular cadence. uh, And I'm hoping to keep that moving forward. You know, me and my brother were both like, hey, we don't you know, talk as much as we would like to, so let's keep this communication moving. Um, And we've been doing that better. So I think that to me is one of the more positive um, things that's coming out of this is, you know, better communication with my close friends and family.
1: Amazing. I think we all feel the same, to be perfectly honest. So, yeah, there, there are, of course, some some real positives to be drawn from from what is a, a very sort of difficult time that we're all experiencing. Um, so let's go to the poll question. So we, just as a reminder, we asked, um, do you think as a result of COVID-19 major brands are exemplifying a more authentic communication strategy? Yes or no? So let's take a look at the results. Wow. Wow. 83% say that Yes. Major brands are exemplifying a more authentic communication strategy. Very interesting. Anything you want to say to that, Matt?
2: Yeah, I think they don't have a choice, right? I think if you put anything out that's not, um, that's not sensitive to the current light, you're just going to have a, a massive blowback. Um, is it authentic? And I guess the question is, does it sustain, right? So they're currently just using these as, there's a great article that talked about the gaslighting that's about to happen. If you haven't read that, it was on Medium. I think it came from Forge. Essentially says that once we get back to normal, marketers are simply just going to try to repush and talk about all the products and, and get us to, to buy again, right? Yeah. If we are really authentic, let's really make sure that we're focused on humanity, focused on thinking about not just like, are we talking about the current situation in a positive framework, but actually, are we being good and actually helping people out, right? This is a chance for capitalism to actually change. Uh, and actually do good in the world rather than just push more products. Um, So, you know, is it more authentic? I think it's more humane just because it has to be. Um, It's more sensitive because it has to be. I'm hoping that that'll be a trend that continues, but the likelihood is it'll probably just revert back um, and not everyone's going to keep that mentality. We shall see. Matt, thanks again for joining us.
0: That was great. We'll be in your feet again later this week with Toby's conversation with Neil Waller, CEO of Whaler. To hear more interviews like this one, be sure to stay tuned to this feed over the next month, and we encourage you to go to socialmediaweek.org for more information about the SMW1 virtual conference and to sign up for the Five Things newsletter. Thanks for listening to the Five Things. The Five Things podcast is produced by Andrew Petit, Grace McDougal, Joey Scarillo, John Dillon, and Al Manorino. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Social Media Week is a leading conference and industry news platform that curates and shares insights, emerging trends, and best practices with the world's smartest digital marketers. Gray is the exclusive global creative insights partner for Social Media Week. Check out more at gray.com.